the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Well, what a powerful prayer. How, wouldn't it be fantastic if you knew that someone was praying that prayer for you every day of your life? Because, you see, sometimes the Christian experience, a Christian journey is a sort of, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a, sometimes we go through difficult times. Sometimes our faith wavers. Sometimes we, we feel doubtful about some aspects of our own walk with God. And we come to church and we're challenged and, and we feel encouraged to go on. But I want to give you something today, tell you that Paul has given us something here today that, that, that enables us to focus on our Christian journey every day, every day. And it's not about focusing on yourself. It's not about focusing how you're going in the Christian journey. It's about focusing on God. Just let's look at some aspects of Paul's prayer and then uh, we'll talk more about that. Paul prays a number of things. The first thing he prays is that they might give, he might give to these Ephesian Christians spiritual wisdom, spiritual wisdom. And you know the difference between wisdom and knowledge, don't you? Knowledge is something that you learn intellectually, you, you gather intellectually, but wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. So if you uh, were to learn something very, very personal about me, very, very sensitive about me, very secret about me, then you've got knowledge, okay? But what you do with that knowledge will determine whether you are using wisdom or not. If you gossip about that, if you, if you tell a friend that you want them to pray for me just so you can tell them the story, <laughs> if you criticize me, whatever you do, that, that's not wisdom, is it? But if you use that knowledge to get alongside me and to love me and support me and challenge me and encourage me, then that's the wise use of your knowledge. Now, it's the same, it's the same with our knowledge of God. We can attain a fair bit of knowledge. We can listen to sermons, we can read books, we can um, look up Google. We, we, can, we can learn all sorts of things intellectually about God. But it's what we do with that that 
determines whether we have got wisdom. It's whether I apply the truth about God to my daily life. It's whether I apply the truth about God to the decisions I have to make, to the choices I make. Then Paul would say, God has given you wisdom when you can do that. So often we, we apply experience. Us old, old guys will often say things like, in our day, in the olden times, and we draw on past experience. And, and, and that's not necessar- <coughs> necessarily wisdom. It's wisdom when I draw on the things of God and his word and what he's saying today. Not what he was saying a hundred years ago, but what he's saying now. One of the things I always used to pray when I was counselling people um, was that God would be present in that situation and that anything I said would not come out of having counselled somebody with the same problem before, that it would be fresh and new and it would come from the word of God because I understand that that's wisdom. And then he prayed that they would have insight so that they may grow in their knowledge of God. You know, insight is more than concentration. I can read a book and I can concentrate on it. I can read the scriptures and I can concentrate on it. But insight allows me to look into that at a a deeper level and to understand it deeply. And then he says that that their hearts will be flooded with light so that they can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. Then he comes to the climax of his prayer. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Now I I want to just bring to you very simply the God of great power. When you come to worship, it's not just about what we do. It's about who God is. In fact, it's doubtful that any worship is is valid, uh, valid unless it's inspired by who God is. If it's inspired by a worship leader or if it's inspired by a, a, a song or if it's inspired by an atmosphere, it is doubtful whether that is worship. It needs to be inspired by our vision of who God is, who, who he is. And, and sometimes I wonder whether our God is too small. I sometimes wonder whether we have a God who is more made in our image, a God that we have constructed in our head that has some limitations. So I meet people who say, oh, you know, I know God forgives sin, but 
I, 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 I don't think he could forgive my sin. And others who say, well, yes, I, I know that I'm doing the wrong thing, but, but God understands. Or I, I, I know I've got a talent, a buried talent, but there's no point in raising it up because God's always got better people who can do it better than me. And there's this sense in which we have crafted a God who is comfortable. We feel comfortable with him. Well, I want to tell you, God is not comfortable. God is, if you can think of the most powerful thing in the world, God is more powerful than that. And, and we come to worship a God who in this great power, in this power that created the heavens and the earth, in the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, that same power in that same power, he loves us with an everlasting love. So we've got this thing that draws us to God, that's, that's his love, and then when we get there, we discover this tremendous power that uh, he represents. Now, sometimes when we talk about the power of God, we, we find ourselves wondering about how we can have that power, how we can have more power. But, but again, I want to tell you, this is not about us. This is about God. This is reminding you that the God you say you trust is all-powerful. The God you, you pray to is all-powerful. The God you've committed your life to is all-powerful. It's all about God. It's not really about us at all. But when when we know how powerful God is, things happen to us and for us. When, he's, when Paul's describing this mighty power, he says, this mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The, the power of God is seen in creation, and seen in the resurrection of Jesus. We went to see the f movie Shazam. <laughs> Very inspiring movie. But this kid, this little kid who spent all his days in foster homes and just keeps running away from foster homes because he's looking for his real mum, uh, accidentally uh, uh, obtains a power. And when he says Shazam, he turns into a Superboy hero. And, uh, and it's just fascinating to watch um, him trying to use and come to grips with the power that he has. But we come to a God who is the source of all power, and he used that power to raise Jesus from the dead. He uses that power to raise us from spiritual death 
to spiritual life. He uses that power to heal broken marriages. He uses that power to heal sick bodies. He uses that power to bring relationships that have been shattered together. It's that power. You know, have you ever been in a situation where you've had something going on in your life, just maybe someone that hurt you and you found it hard to forgive them? Have you ever been through that sort of thing? And every time you go to church, you get a bit of a kick in the rear end about it. You know, it's like, oh, I should do something about that. I, I, I should forgive that person or I, I should make amends or whatever the case might be. But you keep putting it off and you put it off. If we really believed that God has the power to take your, your repentance or to take your, the choice you make and to, to raise it into something beautiful and powerful. That's, that's what it's about. It's that power. I meet lots of people who tell me that they, they're really a nobody. They have no sense of self-esteem. They look in the mirror and they hate what they see. They try to hide that and create an image around who they want to be. But if you understood the power of God, you would simply come and say, God, I trust you. I trust you and therefore I love you and therefore I love myself because you have invested in my life. You've invested power that raised Jesus from the dead in me and in my circumstances and in my life. This is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. There's another statement uh, that he makes in this prayer. Now Jesus is far above any ruler or authority of Christ, uh, uh, any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world but also in the world to come. I was reading this morning uh, on a very reliable um, um, source called Facebook <laughs> and somebody had posted a statement that was made by Charles Colson. Um, many of you would know that Charles Colson was one of 12 men who were involved in the Watergate scandal and he ended up spending a lot of time in prison over it and there he found Jesus Christ and founded a prison fellowship and other movements. But he said, I'm absolutely convinced, he said, that the resurrection is true. He said, I, I cannot accept that it was a lie told by the 12 disciples. And he said, this is the reason why. 12 of the most powerful men in the world, in the Watergate scandal, undertook to tell a lie and they could keep it for a week. <laughs> 
12 disciples met the resurrected Jesus and 40 years later some of them were still prepared to die for the truth that Jesus had risen from the dead. He said, what chance is there that 40 men would keep a secret, a lie, all that time? No, the resurrection of Christ is true, but the power that raised him from the dead is the power that's available to you and I today. And then the fourth statement is, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. I want to tell you, I love the church. I love the church because it's God's idea. And God has used this resurrection power to raise up believers from all over the world. Just yesterday we listened to an Egyptian pastor and we hear about what God is doing through the gospel in Egypt. Just amazing. Just exciting. And God has raised up people all over the world and he calls it his church. He calls it his body. Now, I've been, Julie and I have been pastors for nearly 60 years, but I want to say to you, I don't, I, I don't love, necessarily love the organised church. I don't necessarily love the, the structures that we have to put in place to make church happen. I, I just believe in the resurrection power that is evident in a people of God who come together just to love him and worship him and then share their love with the world. I think we've got to do everything we can to free ourselves from doing what used to be done by other churches in the past. We want to find the new expressions of worship that God lays on our heart. We want to go into the new directions that he leads us. We need to take on the community. We need to speak into the community the words of love, not the words of criticism, but the words of love. And that will draw men to God. It's only his love that has drawn us to him. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. I go in the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? It's, it's one thing to be together today and it's wonderful. We, we love being with you. But it's another thing to go to, 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 to work tomorrow and you're the only Christian in your office. It's easy to think, well, I feel like a I feel like a lion in a den of Daniels, you know, can't open my mouth. Um, but, but listen, Jesus goes with you into that work. When you walk into that room, God in Christ in you walks into that room. Understand that? He does. He presences himself with you. And when you smile, God is welcoming somebody through you. God is addressing somebody through you. When you do something that is, is kind, God is working through you. You don't do those things for God. 
you allow God to do those things through you for him. You understand that? Now, I know it can be really tough in the workplace, and I know that there are, there are all sorts of temptations about uh, shortcuts and, and dishonesty and, and so on, but, but when we, work into the wo- we walk into the workplace, Jesus walks in. He walks in. Now, you say, well, what if I don't want him to walk in with me? Well, he does, <laughs> whether you like it or not. You've accepted him into your life. Wherever you go, he goes with you. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid and I used to stay with my auntie and grandfather sometimes and, uh, and my auntie had a way of saying to me when I went out, now, Graham, behave yourself. God can see everything you do. <laughs> she was a great manipulator, my auntie, and she terrified me. But, but the lovely thing is that the God who loves me, the God who died for me, the God who indwells me in the person of the Holy Spirit is with me forever. And the God of resurrection power walks with me into my workplace or walks with me into a circumstance or a situation. We were involved as a couple, and I finish with this, that we were involved in a couple... 18 months ago as a couple with our family some of our family are not uh, walking with the Lord at all and uh, our beautiful granddaughter who we believe was um, a Christian uh, she died 18 years of age she died and we found ourselves ministering to out of our own brokenness and our own grief to our family members as they mourn the loss of their daughter and their cousin and their sister. And do you know, you know what we did? We basically said nothing. We were just there. And one of my sons put his arms around me one day and said, Dad, we don't want you to be a pastor now. We want you to be a papa. And you know, that's what God wants. He wants you to be who you are. He's made you like that. He has given you openings and opportunities that nobody else will have. He's brought people into your life that, that nobody will have the opportunity of showing them Christ, maybe, but you. Isn't that amazing? And, and, and you have at your disposal the resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And then finally, and the church is his body, and it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere. When you go out into the world taking the message to the community, and this church is doing some fantastic things in the community, well done. When you do that, you are part of the church. You are part of his body. And as part of his body, you represent Christ in the world. 
I sometimes tell a story about a small group were studying the gifts of the Spirit and uh, they were talking about all being part of the body of Christ. And uh, they went around the circle and they asked people, what part of the body do you think you are? And it was easy to find who the mouth was, <laughs> who the eyes were, the ears were. And finally they came to one lady and they said, what, what part of the body are you? And she said, oh, I don't think I, I, I really am. They said, come on, you love the Lord. What, what part of the body are you? And finally she said, um, make me the small toe, the little toe. And there was a doctor sitting in the group and he said, you know, Beatrice, you, you have chosen one of the most important parts of the body. You don't show it off unless you wear thongs. It's hidden but chop it off and then you lose your balance. And out of that came the thought, it doesn't matter what part of the body we are. Without us, the church is incomplete. Okay? So it's about saying, God, if you threw the, the planets into space, if you created the universe, if you're that powerful and you use that power to raise Jesus from the dead, I want to be your child and I want to walk with you and I want to trust that power and I want to see you at work in the world. Not always just at work in us, but work through us into the world. Let's pray together. Perhaps as we just uh, contemplate what we've been talking about, you might have uh, a response you want to make to God. So in this prayer time, just let's pray quietly, but you may have something you want to say to God today. You may just want to thank him for his resurrection power. You may want to thank him that he has lifted you out of something deep and raised you up, resurrected you. You might struggle every day with a particular issue in your life and today you might want to say, Father, I surrender myself to the resurrection power of Christ. I give this thing to you. Some of you may live with a chronic illness and you've prayed and prayed and had people pray for you and it makes you wonder whether the fact that you haven't been healed says something about the powerlessness of God. But I suggest that as you pray now, you say, Lord, I am prepared to see your power in my circumstance. Whether it be healing or whether it be something else that you do through this, I'm trusting you. For that today. 
trusting in your love. I'm trusting in your forgiveness. And I'm trusting in that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Thank you that Jesus is interceding on my behalf. I thank you that he is rejoicing in me, his child. I thank you, Lord, for all the goodness and all the greatness of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 